mentally however I cannot allow myself not to do this week just like any other week because right now this and amongst other things is the only thing that's actually keeping me going and I need this and I like to think that other people might need this too with the way things are going at the moment with like circuit lockdowns and MPs going into Westminster with COVID and it's just an absolute farce. It's not great. But all we can do is continue. So this week is really fun for me. Um, Obviously, every week I like to treat it as sort of fun. Uh, I just think this podcast for me can't be boring. It needs to be energised and interesting and give people a chance to tell their stories. And this week I've got a best friend, basically, um, talking. I mentioned last week we've got a drag king discussing um, the lack of representation of drag kings. I didn't realise when doing this interview, actually, there would be quite a lot of things in the running with drag kings. There's a lot going on, and I won't spoil any of it. I would love for you to listen and find out. Um, And this week, on Friday evening at 9 o'clock on Twitch, if you search for the House of Liability drag show... Or check out any of our Instagram pages or the House of Liability Instagram. You will see that we're doing our first digital drag show. Now, this has been something that I've been planning for a while. It was really funny because just before the lockdown happened in the UK, the weekend before it, I went hungover like hell um, to a meeting at a venue in Edinburgh. Very exceptional and professional venue that we're going to offer me this as a weekly stint creating a drag show on Wednesday nights. Now, unfortunately, the way the things are with the pandemic, I've never heard from them, but I've never contacted them because I'm very much secure in how the meeting went that if the right time were to arise and they were open and it was legal, I would take the show there. And I had been tossing with names during the pandemic and I felt like the House of Liability was the perfect way to name the show because the residents, including myself as the host, are all drag artists that are a bit tongue-in-cheek and have a bit of a raw story behind them. We've got a woman that does drag as a drag queen. We've got a non-binary artist as a drag queen. We've got two women who are doing drag kings, and one of them is who you're going to meet just now in a couple of seconds. Um, I'm not going to give too much away about this person, but I've known this person since I went to see their college production, Drunk, and I instantly fell in love with them when they performed one of my favourite songs, Live Singing. However, what really struck me and what we connected with was the fact that both of us had lost our dads at quite young ages. And, you know, an after-party or a few, we ended up having a lot of deep conversations that I felt like this is the kind of person, one, I want to support, but two, I want involved in my life. It is, without a doubt, one of my favourite drag artists, 
the gorgeous and rugged Dean Gummer. Hello everyone, this is so exciting. I actually have like one of my best pals do the podcast this week. Um, how could I introduce this person in a PC way that I will not get sued? Um, let's go for, we have one of the roughest, meanest, toughest drag kings of Edinburgh, the unsung hero, um, the amazing and alpha male, and to be honest, it would be incestuous if I fancied them in drag, but I still do. The amazing Dean Gummer. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? You're looking lovely in your beautiful wallpaper in your bedroom. Oh, thank you so much. You're too kind. No, I'm doing very well, thank you. This is my first podcast. Wow. So I'm super duper excited. And also super nervous, I take it. Yes, I am a little bit nervous, but I'm sure we'll be fine. This will totally be amazing. So um, I think the easiest way that I always start these podcasts every week just to give people a bit of insight, because I don't like to think, you know, I said to you earlier when we were off the call, I like to think I'm basically the 2020 version of Trisha Goddard. Um, if, those of you listening, <laughs> <laughs> if those of you listening um, know who that is, you obviously stayed off school and stayed with your nana during the day and watched Trisha on ITV. Um, what a great show that was. So, yeah, basically, it was, it was oh, so you clearly stayed off too. <laughs> yes, of course. Yep. So um, basically what I like to do is I like to introduce everyone, but I like to let them make a statement on kind of who they are and what they do. So if you would, uh, wouldn't mind introducing to everyone in the podcast who you are and what your drag is and your story. So for anybody that doesn't know, my name is Laura Lomier slash Dean Gummer in drag. Um, I am based and have been raised in Edinburgh my whole life. Um, from the Hutchison area, shout out to the HYT. So how did you end up starting drag? Well, Jordy, you are the reason I started doing drag. <laughs> so for nobody that, for anybody that doesn't know, so I met Mr. Mark Reynolds, a.k.a. Amy Lamore, and past musical theatre in a past life, haha. <laughs> and we were doing a showcase at, um, in the theatre and Jordy came in drag might I add to up show us all as well <laughs> let's be honest I am bad for that <laughs> and um, I remember I know and um, I remember you saying to me afterwards because I had performed Material Girl and I remember you coming up to me at the end saying that was the only good performance in it at least somebody done Madonna <laughs> and then from there we got to talking and it was you that gave me my first ever opportunity in drag at Queen Margaret University oh god <laughs> member at the old union bar <laughs> <laughs> split how can I forget I'm yeah still... split yeah split I'm still in trauma therapy for that <laughs> to be honest I think it all gave us split personalities really Babe, no, that was my first gig. <laughs> that was my first gig. And um, you then became my drag mother, took me under your wings. And um, yeah, it just went on from there, really. And the evolution of Dean Gummer just developed from there. I've been doing drag now around about four years. Yeah. So yeah, wow, that feels like a long time now. 
I know, but think six years for me this year. How did that happen? Like, how did that happen? Wow. Yeah. And it feels like it was like six months. Everything just blurs into one. It's nuts. Yeah, it truly does. I oh. still feel 18. Totally. So how um, would you summarise your drag then in the statement? So, you know, a couple of words or what would you kind of say Dean Gummer is in the drag community and world? I'd say he's a hyper-exaggeration of what a male is. I'm really known for more comedy performances, you know. I would say Dean Gummer is that type of guy at the bar that would go on the karaoke and buy everybody a drink, you know. He's a good-time guy, um... Yeah, and as I said with the evolution of Dean Gummer, it's more the wig and the coats never changed, nor has the makeup. <laughs> Anybody listening will know that. Ha ha. But you know, I'd say my character has developed, you know. Yeah. So before you you mentioned, you know, um before you started doing drag, you were doing musical theatre at Pass up at Stevenson College, you know. What um, were you like before you started drag? Were you into drama? Were you into theatre? You know, I was a theatre kid growing up, obviously standard. Was that what you were into growing yeah. up as a child? Yeah. Yeah, I'm the exact same. I've been a theatre kid my whole life. Um, my passion for theatre actually happened because of my gran. Um, I remember my gran taking me to the theatre shows, the pantomime, you know, straight acting shows since about the age of five year old and it's really has honestly all came from my gran don't know if I should be thankful for that or not especially in the type of uh, pandemic that we're in now but I've, I've just loved the performing arts my whole life you know I embrace the theatre I love the people in the theatre and when I left high school I studied musical theatre at Pass. Then I went on to do acting, a degree in acting at Fife College. Shout out to Fife. Mm-hmm. My Fifers. And uh, then I studied physical theatre, actually, at Summer Hall for a year, which was, you know, that was, you know, a bit of comedy, a bit of movement, improv. And then after studying for five years, which, whew, that was, that, that was, that was hard going for five years, but, um, I just then became a freelance performer and I've dabbled in improv and stand-up, drag, acting, you know. The triple threat, really, that's what I am. Laura Lomier is the triple threat. I love that. I'm into threesomes too. <laughs> oh. So um, that's brilliant. Do you know what? That is so lovely saying your gran got you into theatre because my nana got me into theatre with my mum. Because we we always did. I don't know if this was a tradition in your house, right? But we always at Christmas went to the panto. That was just yes. The whole family came together. There was about fifteen of us. The ushers must have hated us, but it was kind of standard practice that by October we were booking tickets as a family to go to panto. And I remember when I wrote my UCAS statement to go to university to do the drama degree at QMU, I had literally mentioned on it all that I had done that I'd been obsessed with theatre since I grew up and that's what I knew I wanted to do with my life. If it, if it wasn't on stage, it was behind the scenes. If it wasn't on behind the scenes, it was going to be directing, it was going to be something. You know, I was quite bossy yeah. as a kid that I could be, I wouldn't be surprised that I wanted to be a director. But I ended up obviously pursuing kind of drag as my main career like you. And I think that's really great. You know what? When you comment on physical theatre, because there is a thing with drag, especially when I've noticed in Drag Kings that it has to be about the physical embodiment, right? That, let's face it, when we go on drag personas, yeah. it's like when we go on drag personas, you know, like, I have to act very... My aesthetic is very much, like, 
bitch boss Miranda Priestley, but on the sesh for two days. That's always pretty <laughs> yeah. Miranda yeah. Priestley, but on the sesh for two days, right? Whereas you get Amy Lamore is kind of like the people's princess in drag and has they slept for about a year. Like, you know, you get these different dynamics. And I think yeah. for you, physical theatre will have helped you convey that body language that every time we're obviously doing the show this week, the House of Liability show, and watching you, you embody that kind of alpha male dominant thing that I like. Um, so that's amazing. I just didn't know that um, your gran had got you into theatre, and I love that. I think that's something that... Yeah, it was my gran. And it must be... And I'm some, so thankful for that. It must be so something So thankful that she got me into it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 100%, Jordi, 100%. And like yourself, what you're saying, for me, I love all aspects of theatre, you know, if it was staging or lighting, but for me, I knew, I don't know if you're the the same, I knew I had to be on the stage. I knew that's where my place was. And maybe that comes through my drag, I don't know. I think that's slowly becoming a case for me. Like, I am obviously a passionate writer, but... I think for me, I want to be performing in some way, whether that's presenting something like TV or whether that's singing or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what, but I like this idea that genuinely I do want to perform in some way. So definitely. The next question I'm going to ask you, just because I ask everyone this, so obviously you studied musical theatre and stuff at Pass and you did theatre in general, like, but what made you actually choose drag? Because when I spoke to Rujazel the first week, you know, um, we fell into it because me and Ru were part of the generation that, it just sort of happened. And then you were sort of two years later. And I just wonder what made you actually think I want to do Drag King? Because obviously this episode, the whole point of this is that, in my opinion, Drag Kings are still not appreciated and respected enough in the drag community. You know, there's no Drag Kings on um, Drag Race or, um, you know, that mainstream TV. And I feel like I would love to know what made you actually think, you know what, I want to do Drag Kings uh, as an art form. For me, it was after leaving musical theatre and going into the acting, you know, I was going to miss that whole being extravagant and, you know, showing myself off on the stage, you know. So after musical theatre, when I got the opportunity from yourself, it was more, I've got a stage to perform in. And that's what gave it for me. But in the sense of developing the drag persona, you know, a lot of the people that I've idolised throughout my whole life and the people that captivated me on screen was people like Ellen John, Freddie Mercury, you know, people like that. And I remember growing up for years, it doesn't matter to me if they were male or female, I just was so captivated by their performance and who they were. And I've always had something inside of me that just wanted to, you know, do that. And having the drag kin and being a male, I was able to then do that and pursue pursue that, you know. And that's what really drove me into it. And obviously, as you know, when I started out in drag, there wasn't many drag kins, as you know. And, you know, there still isn't. And we really need to work on that because it is an art form and it's a a way of expressing yourself in, in, in an abstract or a concrete way, you know. And so, yeah, that's what it was for me. I just wanted to be this extravagant male on the stage and have everybody watch me, like the people that I used to watch growing up, you know? I love that. Do you know what? I find that really, um, uh, really relatable because during the pandemic, especially, I've been trying to pursue that I want to be a pop star now. Do you know what I mean? And I've been watching videos that will encourage me to get into it. And a lot of the videos are usually Madonna videos, but I know what you mean. Like I watched her 
um, doing Dress You Up live, and she's this dancer, and I can't dance to fucking save myself, right? But watching it, <laughs> watching it, I was like, wow, because it is that charisma and that confidence that I'm like, I want to be like that all the time. So I get what you mean, that drag yeah. that ability, that persona to do that. So in the kind of um, lead up to the pandemic, I know that you were doing gigs for Leaf is a Cabaret and Lip Line at the Free Sisters, but what's been going on in the drag king community just now? Well, actually, at the moment, we're very, very lucky for the drag king community. Um, myself and Doran T. Fisk have partnered up and created the Shut Up and Kin page on social media which you can look up on Instagram and Facebook um, so basically we're a company that specialise in drag kins um, across the world uh, specifically in the UK and we're basically we're promoting drag kins, we're getting new people out there, we're also working on and developing a range of workshops in the next few coming months um, one of them run by Mr Dean Gummery's self um, I'm taking part in the act development. So what that will be is we're offering workshops to people who would like to develop a drag kin or a drag persona. And um, it will be myself, Doran, and other drag kins from across Scotland um, working alongside us to help you bring out your inner kin, to bring out that person. That is amazing. Do you know what I think I could do with that? Because <laughs> it would be quite funny to just see if I could um, embody the hyper-masculine qualities that you all managed to do. That's brilliant. I'm really intrigued. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say? Um, also, just to add, we, it's not just um, character working that we do. We also do makeup courses, wow. performance workshops as well. You know, we're doing a whole range of things and really our aim is to expand the community of drag kings and we'll take over one day, you know, showcase the best of what we've got. I love that. That is amazing. Um, and where could, obviously, you've said the social medias, but where will these be taking place? Will they be like Zoom workshops? Unfortunately, at the moment, we have to adapt to the old Zoom. Um, hopefully, in the future, we can do this face-to-face, obviously, when we're able to. But yeah, at the moment, it's all done via Zoom, but it's it's working out pretty good. It's working out really well, and I'm super excited, and I'm really thankful for the opportunity. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's going to be amazing. So please, please keep up to date with the page and sign up. That is amazing. Do you know what? And the thing is, like, with Zoom, obviously, like, it is, it's, I'm missing that um, physical interaction, you know, like I wish that I could, yes. just, I wish I could just have you round to the house, have a couple of cups of coffee, blether and record on the mic. But I guess until the mean, until the meantime, basically, that Zoom does actually help. And it's great that you have as a team banded and made that accessible like that, because Zoom is actually quite accessible. You know, some people have been talking to me on Zoom on their phones, some people computers, iPads. So that's great that you're tailing that. Yes. As, as someone that's also been applying for jobs to run workshops on Zoom for kids, like, you know, um, putting together workshops for digital is very hard. So give yourselves a pat on the back for continuing to do that. Well Thank done. Thank you. Not at all. It, it's these things that people listening will not think about. They'll go, oh, yeah, they're doing it on Zoom because that's the new normal. But I'm like, yeah, but to actually do a whole workshop on Zoom and keep people interested 
is really hard and well done for doing it. Yeah, it's super hard. And it's just, you know, this is the new way. And as artists like me and you, we've just got to adapt to new changes. And this is for the foreseeable future. This is how we're going to have to do it. And, you know, in a way, it's, it's keeping the arts alive, you know, having to do this via Zoom, whatever. But, yeah, thank you. No, not at all. Do you know what's so funny? Because obviously that meme's been going about this week for the Fatima could be in cyber, she doesn't know it. And I don't want to do a massive chat on that for this because to be perfectly honest, I can't stand the Tory bastards. Plain and simple. So I don't want to give them any attention. Amen, amen. I don't want to give them any attention. But it is, again, what you say, you know, keeping the arts alive. Rujazla said that, you know, she was wanting to keep on doing what she was doing because of that. That's why I got her as a guest on the House of Liability this week. And the same thing for me that I'm like, well, do you know what? Like, I'm in talks with an agent to do, like, online singing, like, like sort of um, uh, sessions. And stuff. I know, and I'm, I never normally would do something like that, but you know what? If I needed to make money, then why not? And it keeps it alive. Um, so, obviously, we've talked about drag a lot. Of course. It's so, it's so great, actually, just to... The way that there's obviously a lot going on for the drag king community that I knew about on sort of social media, but I didn't actually speak to you about. Do you know what I mean? And it's great to hear that all that's happening, um, but how in the sort of the behind the scenes are you managing to cope mentally? Because obviously the pandemic was affecting all of us. And I know that you are very much like me. You've had a lot of mental health issues in the past and still do. So has there been sort of things you've been doing to help keep you sane, basically? Yeah, you know, the pandemic has been hard for everyone, you know, especially those like myself with mental health. You know, I have borderline personality disorder. So this has been really challenging you know not being able to see people you know are I'm not good with changes people with borderline we, we don't embrace change very well so this has been very hard but for me thinking about it actually a bit of exercise has done me well I try and make sure I get at least 10,000 steps a day just to wow. embrace the outside you know sometimes you just have to get out of the house you know, being in the house and having your own thoughts all the time, that can be really hard. Um, I've actually, you know, for me with the borderline, sometimes it's so hard to just get up in the morning, you know, especially during the pandemic, you have nothing to do, there's nothing to plan. So every morning I go out and feed my birds in the garden. So it gives me a reason to get up in the morning. I know it's so stupid and I never, ever thought in my whole fucking life... (laughs) that I'd be going out feeding fucking birds on a tree. But here we go, because it gave me a reason to get up in the morning. And, you know, even silly little things like that, it does help, you know. But, you know, anybody like myself, you know, my heart goes out to you. It's been, it has been a massive struggle, you know. And even having the borderline and with working during the pandemic, you know, I've been so unmotivated, so down and out. And then to try and get into your drag persona and then try and be this happy go lucky person when you don't feel like that that has been a massive challenge you know but in a way social media zoom it's gave us an opportunity to still connect with people even though that can sometimes be hard but yeah I never ever thought I'd be out fucking feeding birds (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I love that about you. And for you to say, you know, like it's so typical you to go, oh, I know that's some stupid, but, and I'm like, no, do you know what? That actually um, 
and the exact same with other things that I've been doing during the pandemic. I mean, Christ has said the first week to Rujazal, I never thought I'd be in the like park around the corner from me where all the fucking bairns are hanging about, staring at dogs all day reading a book. But actually, that's the sort of stuff that I did take for granted. <laughs> yeah. I did take for granted. And genuinely, it's the same with the bird situation. Like, I do get that, that you need to have something to get up for in the morning. And... I think it's interesting because what you say about, you know, performing, you have to be happy and, and convey that, right? And when I've been putting together a set list this week for all of your performances and mine, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do something like I'm opening the show with something really silly that people will, will have seen the show by now, but I'm doing Hello as Peppa Pig. And it's so ridiculous. Oh. People, yeah, but people kind of need that laugh, right? But I then was like, yeah, of course. I'd said to my therapist, I really want to do something reflective and sad and I went you know what I'm gonna do this song Gypsy by Fleetwood Mac but this beautiful acoustic cover and although lovely yeah and although it might be sad in a way I think everyone needs that bit of sadness right now too I think no I totally agree I think people need and it's like yourself you know I sent two videos one of them I would say is more of a comic performance a bit of a comedy number but then my other track that I sent the video was actually more of a serious number from Dean Gummer, which we don't always see. And I think, like you're saying, that's reflective of maybe how I've felt during the pandemic and during this whole COVID situation. You know, normally I tend to go, like you say, for the more happy, comical performances, but I have done a serious number for once. And I think that is honestly, like you're saying, is how my reflection of how I've felt during this pandemic. I totally agree with you. Like, the, your performance, by the way, was exceptional. I loved watching it, and I love that song. That's actually a song I've done in Sing A Lesson, so I was like, oh, this is one of my favourite songs, and I went, oh, my oh. God. And I thought that to myself, thought, you know, everyone's going to... I've always considered Dean Gummer as sort of, an, sort of an underestimated drag king artist. You know, you always do comedy, and I think because you've done something serious, I think people might, when they watch the show on Friday, go, oh, hold on, now, actually... Wait a now. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh wow. That was really interesting and really actually like quite dramatic and quite heartfelt. And I'm like, yeah, that's because people are very talented and I just think you've got that potential. So I'm glad you'd pushed yourself like that. Because right now we've kind of got a growth and development period that we can try things out. And if they don't work, they don't work. Well, yeah, totally. And I'm trying to improve on my makeup, but we'll let the uh, social media be the judge of that. I mean, <laughs> To be fair, you couldn't be my child if you were good at makeup. <laughs> right. Um, so obviously you've answered quite a lot of questions. I love that. Um, so this is making my job much easier. Um, I guess what I would say to sort of, we'll do two more questions really. Um, I, looking up to you, like I say this to every guest I have on for a reason, but I, looking up to you with my mental health struggles would have considered you're quite uh, an inspirational role model at times because any creative to me at a young age would have made me feel great and would have been something to aspire to be. But what kind of advice would you give younger people if they were listening sort of in their teens or even in their adult years? Um, what would you give as advice just now on how to continue their working in the arts, basically? I think at the moment with all the, you know, Tory bastards coming out and saying what they're saying, you know, is just don't let anyone, I mean, anyone deter you from your dream. If you want to perform, 
you go for it. Don't let anybody deter you and say that it's not a job, that it's just, you know, a form of a hobby. It's not, you know, and you just have to keep going and keep pushing yourself. And as at the moment, you know, times are changing. A lot of, you know, performances are going and on social media and, you know, just, you know, embrace change and adapt to the new ways. You know, I'm a bit of an old dog. You know, I was a bit at the beginning of all this, a bit like, oh, I'm not doing it digitally. Fuck that. You know, I need to, I need a stage. I need to, I need the stage. I need an audience, you know, but that's just not the way it is at the moment. And, you know, embrace the change and embrace adapting to new ways. And also, just as a little side note, get good headshots, pay money for good headshots. And also, if you can, whatever footage or whatever performance that you do, get it recorded and get yourself a good showreel. Because see, when I left, no fucker told me about, you're going to have to spend £500 for a showreel. I was like, what? You know, they, they don't tell you that. I thought I was going to leave drama school and get my Oscar straight away. <laughs> but that would be... I thought it would just happen, my dears. But, you know, but as I said, back to the point, don't let anyone deter you from what you want to do. And every type of performance is valid. Oh, that was honestly... Do you know what? That was actually really... Um, professional and I'm great you mentioned that because I do forget that yeah things like headshots and showreels when I just finished my Emmy my lecture did say to me make sure you've got everything you've done on your Vimeo account for applications for jobs because right now if you're going for any job you need to have as much evidence to back you the fuck up yeah and of course just since uh, you've been talking about a lot of the projects you've been doing if I had to get you to name one thing you're proud of at the moment that you've accomplished with drag and your art form and um, what would it be i think in this precise moment would be for a personal would be um actually just embracing the change myself as i said you know having borderline it's i've had really difficult and hard times during this and i've still carried on and i'm still pushing it you know i've made videos for the house of liability you know i was i've had my struggles with that uh, but in drag, as a total, what I'm most proud of is the different stages that I've been able to perform on. You know, I'm very thankful in my drag here, the, the opportunities and the stages that I've been given. And for me, every time if I can make an audience laugh, that's the biggest reward for me. But yeah, I'm, I'm proud of Dean Gummer. It's been a development. He's, he's some fucking guy, you know. He's a bit, he has a liability, ha-ha. I think we all are in that house. But um, <laughs> yeah. I do love that our house is called the House of Liability. I think me and Amy chose a brilliant name to kind of... Oh, of enca- course. <laughs> enca- <laughs> encapsulate our house. And I look forward for the House of Liability to take over Edinburgh. Um, before, I, before we go... I asked you to obviously think of a quote that reflected how you're feeling and a quote that would maybe give some mindfulness and inspire people. Um, And I'd like you to share that quote that we can end the podcast with. So my quote for the moment of how I've been feeling and how the world is, is quite an old Scottish quote. I'm sure your grannies and your mammies would have told you this. If you're no laughing, you're greeting. And anybody that's not Scottish, it means if you're not laughing, you are crying. Um, And that's for me at the moment, you know, just appreciating the little things and just trying to find the humour in day to day, even when things are 
really shitty, you know, it's just trying to find the positive notes and have a laugh. Because if you're no laughing, you are going to be crying. Dean Gummer, the world always needs laughter and you bring it every single time. Thank you so much Thank for you, joining me on Afternoon Diet this week. I love you loads and I look forward to the show on Friday. Thank you so much for having me and I love you so much. Lots of love to you, Dean. I remember at this college production that Dean did with Amy Lamore back in the day. God, it would have been 2014, 15. Um, I remember they closed with Born This Way and Dean and Amy dragged me on stage with them at the end. And I did, you know, I did go and drag, but um, a thing that we never mentioned was I went and drag to see Amy perform their first show with Dean. And we ended up going on a massive night out afterwards. It was an absolute riot. And when they brought me up on stage, I remember thinking to myself, this has been an amazing, positive atmosphere and show that sometimes it's like we've said earlier, you just got to laugh. And that show had so much laughter and positivity in it. And Dean bringing that quote that, yeah, your granny, if you're Scottish, definitely said it. Your mum, after a couple of cheeky vimptos that probably shouted at you, that if you didn't laugh, you'll greet. And right now, listening to this again, I have laughed far more times than I've cried this week. Thank you for joining me with Afternoon Delight this week. Please check out the show tonight, the House of Liability drag show on Twitch. We will be putting a PayPal link so you can donate and tip to the performers. They are doing this out of the goodness of their hearts because we've got to keep the arts going. I'll be bringing next week another drag artist promoting their EP and talking about some of their projects they've been doing during COVID. And maybe they'll teach me how to sing a Whitney song. Who knows? Wish me luck. Until then, stay safe. And remember to breathe. Afternoon delight. Real peace.